Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships, and faith, and relationships, and self-confidence, about our calling in life, and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better, and easier, and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. In today's episode, we're talking about how to quiet the noise and figure out what you believe about politics without anyone yelling at you. I'm really excited about this episode because, guys, I believe that our voices matter. As a Girls' Night community, our voices matter, and I want us to feel confident using our voices in this November election. Problem is, if you're anything like me, it can be hard to figure out what you actually believe. Our families have an opinion. Our friends have an opinion, our church has an opinion, everyone on Facebook has an opinion, everyone on TV has an opinion, and it is so hard to quiet all of that noise long enough to figure out what we actually think. And so that's what today's episode is here for. Today, my friend Emily and I are doing our very best to create a safe little pocket of quiet where we can ask questions, escape the noise and the pressure, and figure out what we believe and what's important to us without anyone else weighing in. I'm going to introduce Emily and tell you more about our heart for this episode as we dive in, but here are just a few of the questions we talk through together. We talk about why it's so important to vote and also how to register to vote. We talk about how to sort through differing opinions and media sites in order to find accurate and useful information. We talk about how to figure out what we actually believe and how to stand strong in that, even if our convictions differ from those around us. We talk about how vocal we should be about our political views and if we need to be sharing our opinion on social media or not. We talk about our faith and how that plays a role in our political decisions and so much more. Guys, if you've been feeling overwhelmed by the noise, feeling pressure from all sides as you try to figure out what to do in November, this episode is for you. I'm hoping it's as helpful for you as I know it was for me. So are you ready to dive in? Here's my conversation with my dear friend, Emily. Okay, friends, I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm sitting here with one of my very best friends, Emily Tuttle. She's been on the show before, and I'm really excited about this episode. First, before we get into anything, Emily, thank you so much for being here. I feel like asking you to be on this episode is like kind of a tall order, and I really appreciate you like accepting this crazy ask of mine and joining me here for for this episode. (laughs) Yes, you are one of the only people that I would want to have a conversation about politics that lasts this long with. So we're going to do our best, guys. <laughs> and one that's recorded. Also and, that, and yes. <laughs> not, not over dinner. Um, well, so, and before we get into anything, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? And I said 100 points to you. I don't know what the point system is that I made up just now, but 100 points to you if you surprise me with your fun fact. But also, no pressure. Because I gave you one. Because <laughs> I told you one that you should use if you couldn't think of one. Oh, gosh, Yes. Um, okay, well, I'm Emily, like Steph said, um, I live in Atlanta and I do kind of a variety of different things for work. Um, I have an Etsy shop where I paint globes, like world globes that people use them for different events, decorations, wedding guest books, things like that. Very random. It's not like I set out to do that, but I just started it a few years ago. It's actually Steph's fault. She can tell that story if she wants to, but um, (laughs) it's turned into like my full-time job, which is crazy. Um, So I work from home doing that. 
which gives me a lot of flexibility, which I like to be able to travel and do other things I care about. And a lot of my friends live really far from me. So when we're not in a pandemic, I can visit them a lot. And I also do some part-time video production on the side, mostly helping like nonprofits and ministries use stories to kind of explain their mission or to raise money. And then one of the things I spend a lot of my time on on the side is um, I'm on the board of an organization called Friends of Children Everywhere that, among other things, helps to advise and fund and partially run a children's home in Guatemala, where I've been involved for the last 10 or so years. So I spend a lot of time in Guatemala with the kids there that I've known for years and working with that board to try to let people here who really want to do good and to have an influence uh, partner with some really, really amazing people in Guatemala who are doing this work and kind of bridge that gap between people that want to support the work and the people doing the work. So that's me. I love that. (laughs) Um, What's your fun fact? Um, I don't know how fun this is, but I feel like anyone who knows me as you do can attest. I have like the tiniest mouth in the world. Like (laughs) literally like my jaw joints just like don't open. (laughs) And so I take like teeny tiny bites when I eat, which drives everyone crazy because it takes me like a thousand years to eat my meal. (laughs) And it's not because I'm like trying to make the meal take forever. It's just because I like literally can't take big bites because my mouth is like the size of a quarter. (laughs) It's so small. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you, okay, if you're, I'm trying to give people a picture. I'm going to try to remember. I might make you send us pictures but okay if you're thinking about like you're at the dentist or you're trying to show the doctor the back of your throat and you like say ah and you like kind of un like you open your jaw as big as possible and your mouth makes sort of like an oval right <laughs> emily when you ask her to open her mouth as wide as possible it's almost like she's she's not doing an ah she's doing like an ooh <laughs> like like <laughs> just I mean, it's just like this tiny little circle. And it's funny because you can see her like stretching and straining and like really trying and thinking she's doing it. And I've I've been with her before when she's eating like a burger. And it's, I mean, she really does have to like take a bite from the bottom, take a bite from the top, take a bite from the bottom. I mean, I it's, it up. yeah, yeah, it's, it is something. And it makes like me Like one time we were all out to dinner, like four or five of us in Nashville and we were eating hamburgers and we're just sitting there talking and eating and like, cause y'all know me really well. You like knew this was going to happen, but everyone's talking and Carl goes, wait, wait, Emily's <laughs> about to take a bite of her burger. Everyone watch. <laughs> I think we probably chose a burger restaurant on purpose. Oh, probably. I was like, Carl, why? And he's like, wait, watch her try to make this giant burger something that she can eat. It's yeah. not going to happen. So She's I get like, like no like popping on my burgers. So yeah, I had to like squish it. It's great. It's super fun. It's really fun going to the dentist because I get like bruises on the side of my face from opening my mouth. Not from like dental work. It's just from trying to open my mouth wide enough. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, burgers are funny. That stinks. But that fun fact makes me laugh every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So friends, I invited Emily on the show today because for a couple of reasons. One, I know that we are in a really crazy time in life. Like everything is crazy right now. Um, We're going into an election. We're going to have to vote soon. Some of us may have already voted. I don't know when exactly 
this is coming out in relation to like early voting or whatever. But we're our political system is like things are happening politically in our country right now. And we have to figure out what we want to do about that as individuals. We have the right to vote, which is great. There's also some pressure that comes with that. And in all of that, it's like we're trying to figure out who we want to vote for and how to vote and the logistics of it. And then this year we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it's like, how how do you safely vote? I mean, there's so many things going on, but we're like trying to figure this all out. And it feels like everything is exploding around us. Everyone's angry. Everyone's yelling. Everyone has stronger opinions than it feels like they ever have. And in some ways, it feels like we're supposed to have opinions that are just as strong. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't, but we feel like we should. Maybe our opinions, the ones that we are sure of, are different from the people that we love. I mean, there's just, is there's so much going on right now. And so I wanted to to do this episode because I believe that our our voices matter. As a, a girls' night community, I believe that our voices matter and that our world and our country is better when we use our voices. And so we have a really specific opportunity to use our voices to cast our vote here soon. And my goal for this episode is to create a little, like, a little safe room for us where we can kind of try to figure out like what we believe about some of these things. I I think for me, it feels like this is really important because it doesn't feel like there are very many safe places to figure out what you believe. Like dinner tables, like like talking about it with family. I mean, you can like light up a whole Christmas dinner, like create an explosion at a Christmas dinner by bringing up the wrong thing. Or uh, if you say something on social media, like you can get eaten alive. It kind of feels like you get eaten alive no matter who you talk to about this stuff. And so my heart was just to create a little space where we can ask some of the basic questions or figure out like where we need to go to get the information we need to make a decision that we feel good about. And the reason I wanted to have Emily here is because like we're just two two girls, <laughs> like neither of us are in politics, neither of us are professionals, neither of us are anything. We're just friends. But this is something that we talk about at our girls' nights. And Emily is one of my favorite sounding boards for trying to figure out what I think about things. Emily has this really amazing way of, she, she one, pays really, really close attention to what's going on in the world and has a way of, of helping like condense that information into a way that I can actually understand sometimes. Like, I'll be like, wait, what has been happening with this part of the world for the last 10 years? And she can go, okay, well, here's where it started. And she can kind of walk me through it. And she's also a really safe friend to say, okay, I don't know what I think about this, but I might think this, but I feel like everyone's going to be mad at me if I think that. She's just a really, a really safe place for me and a really informed voter. Um, and so that's why I wanted to have her here today. And and so before we get into anything, I, so I've put together a list of questions that I think a lot of us are asking as we're trying to figure out what the heck do I believe about the things I'm supposed to figure out what I believe about. And and I'm hoping that that we can just be a friend who's with you in this that can just like help you find a little bit of clarity, help us all find a little bit of clarity. But I want to ask for major, major grace from you guys. Emily and I, like I said, are just both people. We are not professionals. We, of course, have our own opinions about things. We have our own biases. We are going to do our very best to remove those from the conversation and to just 
we're going to be as just as neutral as possible because again our our goal here is not like by the end we want you to vote for this person or or decide this thing we just want everyone to feel a little bit more comfortable come november and we want everyone to use their voice so that's our goal we're going to do our very best but we just really i personally ask that you guys are just really gentle with us give us just heaping amounts of grace and help us make this a safe place to just like ask some weird questions and get it wrong and and just try to figure out what we think because I think we just all need more safe spaces like that. <sighs> okay, is that enough of a disclaimer? <laughs> Emily, do you have solid. anything to add? <laughs> I would echo all of that and I would say <laughs> okay. that, you know, I don't think it's possible to completely remove our biases. So I feel like out of a desire to be responsible, I should articulate a few things that have probably made me the way that I am so that you can decide, okay, I agree or don't agree. And then you know what you're getting into. So just like demographically speaking, like I'm a 32 year old white woman. I'm a believer in Jesus. I grew up in the South in a pretty conservative family politically. Um, I formed my own political opinions that are influenced by my family, but are not exactly like theirs. I have a degree in anthropology and Spanish and I'm bilingual And I spend a lot of time traveling around the world and kind of seeing, I don't know, what our country looks like from other people's perspectives. And that's influenced what I believe a lot. But um, I'm going to do my very best to leave my political bias to the side. But we all have one. So just know that going into this, that's all (laughs) I'll say, I guess, about that. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And again, yeah, we're not trying to convince you of anything. And like the whole goal here is just like we have this opportunity to get to say what we think in November and and to get to like influence things one way or another in the way that we feel is best. And I think most of us feel pretty ill-equipped to make decisions like that. And so sometimes we take our voice out of the running. Um, And so my heart is just that we get like, we walk out of this conversation with like just a few extra tools in our tool belt to try to figure out what we think apart from social media yelling, apart from what our church says, apart from what our parents say, apart from what this friend says you have to believe, like just that we can just have a second to figure out what we believe. So, so just know, like, we don't have a goal here other than that. Like that's the goal. So with all of that said, here is my (laughs) very first of a whole bunch of questions I want to ask you. So M, before we get into my, like, I have a whole list of questions for you, but I feel like it's important to start here. A lot of the women who listen to Girls' Night are Christians or, you know, um, would would say that they have a faith of some kind. And so I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on the role of Christians in politics? Like, as believers, what's our job when it comes to politics? Yeah, that's always my preference is to start kind of with the big picture and then kind of zoom in. So I'm glad we're starting with this. I feel like keeping the big picture in mind of our faith is the most important when we're having this conversation because, you know, there's going to be this issue that's going to come up politically and that issue and this election year and that election year. But it's important to remember now and always that our faith in God, the story of the Bible, truth that's found in scripture and in the person of who God is, that all predates and outlasts our elections, our political parties, the different issues of the day, even our country as a whole. Nothing that's going on right now is new and it's not a surprise to God. Um, And so I feel like keeping our perspective on 
you know, where, where our little story of right now fits into God's bigger story is really important. And then I would also say it's really important to know who you are and to keep your identity in context when you're having these conversations, because it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm a Republican or I'm a progressive or I'm a this or I'm a feminist. And those are all fine things to be, but they're not, they shouldn't be the end all be all the defining factor of what makes you you. And so I feel like listing out some things, some descriptors for yourself and then putting those in priority order is really helpful. So like for me, I would say first and foremost, I would consider myself a believer in God, a follower of Jesus. Next, I would consider myself a member of my family. Then I would consider myself a citizen of the world because my, for me, my point, my place in the world matters more than just my nationality. And then would probably come, okay, I'm an American. Like that has had a profound effect on who I am and how I see the world. And then, you know, my job and my hobbies and my friends and things like that. But you've got to keep these things in their proper order so that one of them that should be of lower significance, like what political party you're a member of, doesn't become your defining factor. And then you just lose all the perspective of, you know, the bigger picture of who you are in Christ and what is true. It makes sense that 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 like would diffuse some tension, you know, like when we can remember what we have, like we have so much in common. And and right now, sometimes it feels like we have nothing in common, you know, like our our country and really our world is is so polarized right now. But the truth is, like, we're all people. And that's a really pretty unifying thing. Like we have a lot in common, just all being humans. And so I think that like it takes some of the us versus them out of it to remember to remember who we are and all the things that we have in common and that we're not fighting our we're not fighting for our identity here as much like it's yeah it's it's just yeah puts it puts things into perspective i really like politics doesn't make us who we are and then you know to that point i would also say we need to keep a proper view of what is the role of politics and government in our lives Because I think it's so easy to see a new candidate or a new idea and like put our hope in that, especially right now, like our country's in a rough spot right now and and our world's in a rough spot. And you see a possible solution to a problem come along in the form of whatever it is, a candidate or a scientific breakthrough or whatever, and you dump all your hope into that. And in reality, you know, our hope and our security and our provision and everything is supposed to come from God. And then that may come in the form of politics sometimes, but politics and government fits under the umbrella of faith. And I think if that's where we place our hope, we're going to be lost before we even start. So to me, it just takes a lot of the pressure off to say, okay, here's who I am and here's where my hope lies. All right, now let's put this conversation in the place that it belongs in our lives and only give it the amount of power over us that it should have. Um, So I guess take everything else that I'm going to say with that caveat. I really like that. Um, I think that that's, I think that that's really good and really helpful. I saw like a meme the other day. I think I'm going to kind of butcher this. So (laughs) if you know exactly what it says, sorry, but it said something like when you're, when you're voting for some, someone, whether it's president or, you know, more like you know, state government or whatever, whoever you're voting for, you're not picking who you're going to marry. Like this isn't a (laughs) lifelong commitment. This isn't, you're not looking for the perfect one for you. It's more like uh, picking a bus. You're picking like, who's going to, going to take you from where you are today to the next 
place you're trying to go and or or get you as close to the next destination as as you can. And I really like that, you know, because I think that we can put so much pressure on like this person is going to save us from everything. And then everyone's always disappointed because like government and and changing things in our government, it's like a really big ship. It takes a long time to move things around um, and a lot of different people. And so it's, I think that no matter who we vote for, we just get kind of disappointed when we're like, this person's going to save us all. It's like, or this person's the perfect person for us, or I'm not voting until I find the perfect person. It's like, okay, you're not picking who you're marrying here. This is just, who do I trust the most to to get us from where we are today to a slightly better place? Oh, yeah. And I mean, I didn't come up with this. I probably saw it on the West Wing, if we're being honest. But the, there's a saying, too, that like, you campaign in poetry and you govern in prose. So like, during a campaign, people are going to say any number of things in order to win your vote, but then reality is going to hit. And like, you can't just keep all the promises that you make for good or for bad, because the reality of governing is compromise. And so a lot of what you're hearing during an election year is like either best case or worst case scenarios. And it's not really reality. And so if you're placing all your hope in like what this person's saying they're going to do, they're not really going to be able to accomplish all of those things. So just remember, like, you're hearing the really shiny version, the aspirational version, and then the reality is going to be somewhere, you know, a little more down to earth of what they're actually going to be able to do. It's kind of like when you're designing a house and you're like, I want to have seven stories and a <laughs> pool on every floor and like all these things. And then like you get like a quote for that and you're like, you're like oh, oh, I have to pay for it. That is expensive. <laughs> That's more expensive than I anticipated. And so, yeah, that, that, that all makes sense. Okay. So, Em... W- this may seem, I don't know, I, the questions that I have for you are like, I, I think the questions that all of us are asking in one way or another. So just here we go. Why is it important for me to vote? Like, is it bad if I just choose not to vote or if I forget to vote or if figuring out how to vote feels inconvenient and so I just sort of like don't get to it? Why is voting important? That is a good question and a big question. <laughs> for me, There are several reasons why I feel like it's important to vote. One of them is that we have that right and not everybody in the world does. And I'm not one of those people who believes that every person in the world wishes that they were American. I think most people love the country that they're from. But if you are from a place where you don't have that freedom and that right to be represented by voting for someone who you think more or less represents your point of view to go and govern in kind of in your place, I feel like that probably is something that you wish you could do. And that's a privilege that I just don't think we should take for granted. So that's reason number one is because we can and not everyone can. And I think that voting is also a way of caring for others because you can use that vote, which is your voice in this case, to say, these things matter to me and I'm going to put my voice and my influence behind this person who represents these ideas because I care about other people. And I think that this person will do the best job leading our country or your city or whatever it is in the direction that's going to benefit the most people. Um, So I think it's a way to serve others too. I think that our country is at a really pivotal moment. I think that's pretty obvious to anybody who's paying attention, but, um, there's just a lot going on right now. We are in a global pandemic, which is still crazy to say that. We're in the middle of 
kind of a, another civil rights movement in a way with all of the protests that have been happening. We're also, we're in a time where there is a lack of trust just in general. I think that because we have so much access to information, it's also leading us to question our trust in everything from science to journalism, to our leaders, to the church, to the idea of expertise in general. And it's making us think that there's no one that we can trust. Um, and so I think if there was ever a moment for people that believe that they actually know what's true, which should be followers of Christ, to have influence, then it would be now. I feel like even if it's on a micro level, it doesn't have to be something as big as running for president, even if it's on a local level. Like, I think the world and our country has never needed us more than they need us now as believers. So if there was ever a time to use your voice, it's now. And I feel like, especially for younger people, it's important for us to vote because we are going to be around reaping the benefits or the consequences or whatever you want to call it of the choices that are being made now in government for much longer than older people are. And yet we vote in the smallest numbers. Like in the 2016 election, 71% of people over 65 who were eligible to vote voted and only 46% of 18 to 29 year olds voted. So less than half of the people in most of our age demographic chose to vote in the 2016 election, even though it was, you know, a really hotly contested election that pretty much everyone had an opinion on. Less than half of us chose to voice our opinion. So I feel like, you know, you don't have a lot of room to complain if you're not willing to go and use the right that you have to cast your vote. And I will also say, remember that it's not just the presidential election that matters. Most things about our lives that government determines are determined by government that's on a more local level. So I think it's not only important to vote every four years in the presidential election, but I would say voting in the midterms, voting in your local elections is just as important, if not more important, because that's what really influences the policies that govern your day-to-day -day lives. So yeah, I believe that voting is very important. I love that. That's that's really helpful. Um, and I, I know that like it's really easy for life to get in the way. You know, this, this year specifically, Carl and I are talking, like, I mean, we both strongly believe that it's important to vote, but we're like, okay, I'm pregnant with twins. Like <laughs> they could come at any time. Also, we are in the middle of a pandemic, you know? So it's like, we're trying to be just really careful with our health because I'm pregnant with twins and just in general. And so we're trying to figure out what that looks like. And so we made this whole list of things that we need to do before the girls get here. And one of them is vote. And like, you know, depending on what what options there are for us, like if mail-in voting is a thing, if, you know, you know, if we can get absentee ballots or if early voting is a thing, like we're going to take advantage of one of those options because the chances of, of me being able to stand in line for a long time on election day are actually really slim. And so we're just trying to like look ahead a little bit. So all that to say, I know that there are like a million life things that are happening. Um, and so it's easy to be like, wait, what day is it? Oh my gosh, am I registered to vote? I've moved a hundred times in the last year. Like, I don't even know. But just know that you're not alone in that. Um, yeah, for sure. We're, we're kind of figuring that out too. And, and just trying to figure out like what works for us. It just takes a little bit of pre-planning. And we're going to talk about how to register to vote at the end here. So um, I know that there have been times when I've hesitated to vote a lot of times because I feel like I haven't done my homework. And 
even when I am paying attention, which I'm not, I, I don't like, I'm not always, which confession. So if anyone else feels that way, like there are times when I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Even when I do feel like I'm, I've been paying attention, it almost feels like you need a political science degree to be like an informed enough voter. And like, so I guess, I guess that's my first question is how much do we need to know about an issue or a candidate for us to like feel qualified enough to vote? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's hard because you're never going to know everything. And like I said earlier, everything that candidates say during an election has to be kind of taken with a grain of salt because, you know, they're trying to sell themselves to us. But I guess I would say to start with, it's a good thing we're having this conversation now because, you know, there's plenty of time to, to learn what's going on before November. Um, you're not out of time. And I think that just having the practice of paying attention is really important just to build that into your life to start with, because I sort of feel like it's, it's a responsibility that we carry. Like if we want to be people of influence in the world who are doing good and, you know, leading in a Christ-like way, it helps to know what's going on. And so we're going to hit this later in more detail, but, you know, read the news, not just the U.S. news, the world news. Try to know what's going on as much as you can so that when you read about a particular candidate, you have some bigger picture understanding when you're like, oh, they stand for this and not this, you know what this and that are. That's really helpful. Yeah. As far as actually picking which candidates to vote for, there are some like assessment kind of, not quizzes, but like sort of tests that you can give yourself that are kind of helpful if you just have no idea yet who you're even sort of leaning towards. There's a website called isidewith.com. I wouldn't take it as like gospel truth, but it's a pretty long survey that you can take that dives into all different questions. And it's like, I care about this, this much or that much. And I think this or that, and you kind of pick your answers. And then at the end, it tells you, you, this percent sort of align with this candidate and this percent align with that candidate. And it's not like you have to go vote for the person that they say that you align with, but it helps sort of take your temperature politically if you are at a place where you couldn't easily summarize what you believe out loud yet, but you actually do have beliefs, everyone does, then having an assessment like that is helpful to just say, okay, this is where I'm at right now. So now I'm going to pay extra attention to the things that this candidate says out loud for the next three months and see if that does still ring true with me. And then you can decide yay or nay if it doesn't. But it's helpful just to know and have kind of a reading about like who you tend to agree the most with. I like that it doesn't, that it doesn't require you to like, like, I think that when we're, we're going to vote, it's like, we almost feel like we need to show up with our own essay, our own like (laughs) statement of belief. And it's like, but we don't even have any categories. Like there are so many issues in our world and in our country. Like there are so many, uh, uh, like so many things to have an opinion about. And if you don't have a list of those things you need to have an opinion about, like, then you're like, Ah, I don't even, not only do I not know what my opinion is, but I don't even know what categories we're talking about here. And so I love that it's like, here's, here's an issue. Here's one of the things that, that is going to come up. Like, and there's so many, what like you th- the first time I took it, I was like, what in the world? Like people are supposed to have an opinion about all these things. But then as I took it, I was like, I actually do have an opinion about this, like about this too. And it kind of goes down and it's everything from like immigration to tax policy to, the role of the military 
to probably things about COVID will be on there now, just every, every little different thing. And, you know, devote half an hour, take the quiz and then see like, here's some areas I actually didn't have an opinion on. And you can say like, not, a, not applicable, or I don't know. And then they just won't count that one in your answers. But then, you know, also what areas you need to learn a little bit more about too. If there's something that you've just never even heard of, you're like, well, I should probably know about that. But it's just, it's a helpful summary. I love that. I'm really grateful. We're going to have that in the oh, show Oh yeah, notes. there's a whole so bunch of links know. that are going to go in the show notes because... <laughs> Emily's going to hook us up. <laughs> I made an outline. It's fine. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm a nerd, guys. This is why I invite Emily on the show, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've literally made an outline, though, because otherwise I can't keep my thoughts straight. Another thing that I find really helpful to do that my mom and I kind of always have this conversation together before we vote is to look up a sample ballot of like your state and then you know, it's not going to have any of the candidates' positions on it, but it's going to have, whether it's in the primary or the general election, it's going to list the actual candidates. So that way you're not showing up just hoping that you recognize their name from a sign you've driven by or, you know, an ad you saw. You can... (laughs) Emily, stop calling me out. (laughs) Okay, listen. (laughs) No, it's seriously, like, I'm so glad you said that because I'm like, oh, I've definitely I've totally been there. I've done it too. I'm just saying it's easier to do the homework before class. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can look up the ballot and then you can see all the options and then you know who to look up. And you can do this by just Googling your ballot or there is a website called Ballotpedia, like Wikipedia, but for ballots. And it will show you who's on your ballot, if there's any like specific issue ballot initiatives that are going to be on your state ballot. It'll show you some of the voter registration deadlines, the polling hours, the election results. It's a pretty good website. And so I usually use that just to get my sample ballot. And then I start researching the candidates. And, you know, I look at their websites, but their websites are run by them. So, like, take that with a grain of salt because it's basically someone writing their own bio. I'm like, I'm great. Vote for me. So you can't necessarily just only read that. But just reading some articles about them from some solid news sources and... If you, you know, we're three months before the election now, if you learn the names of the candidates now, then you're going to know who to pay attention to when you do see ads. And when you do see articles pop up, you're going to go, okay, that person's on my ballot. I should read this. It's just like putting them on your radar now is really helpful because then you will, you will know which information to bother storing as you run across it. I really appreciate that. (laughs) The way that you said that. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Another thing that's fun that, again, I will not say that this is like the only source of anything that you should have, but if you're just genuinely confused about how like U.S. elections work, just go on Netflix and watch The West Wing. Like that sounds like a really shallow answer to this question, but honestly, (laughs) I took politics and government classes in college and yet I learned more about how like laws are made and how our government kind of works day to day from seven seasons of The West Wing on Netflix after I had surgery than I did for many of my politics classes. So if that's amazing, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. You can just let Aaron Sorkin teach you what you didn't learn in college. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I have to say West Wing is probably my very favorite show. Like number one. <laughs> oh, same. Uh, I love it so love much. It. Uh, you know this. And so I've watched it all the way through twice. Well, you guys need to know this show was made in the 90s, early 2000s. The clothes are terrible. <laughs> The clothes are terrible. They have huge cell phones and the quality is like, you're like, wow, I didn't realize that TV had changed so much in the last like 15, 20 years. It has. And so when you first start watching it, I was like, this is going to be hard to get into. It takes a minute, (laughs) but like it ends up being 
so good. Carla and I have watched it all the way through twice. And every time I finish it, I like hope for just like a very, very, very selective memory loss so that I can watch it again, like totally fresh. And he has promised me, I'm telling this to all of you guys so that you can hold him accountable. Accountable. You know that he promised. Uh, He said that once our girls are here and we're in like kind of the newborn, like I'm like feeding them all the time and, you know, we're super sleepy and we're just kind of bums on the couch trying to take care of these girls. He promised that we could watch it again. So I'm um, just putting that out there. Carl so hates rewatching knows. things for context. He does. He, he loves it. Yes. He loves the West Wing. Uh, he hates rewatching things. So, but he and promised. Granted, it is pure fiction. However, it just, it's a hopeful take on politics that I feel like we need today, guys. So anyway, that's our, that's, that's the Barlet most. for America. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like if, if we're pushing anything on you, it's the West Wing. Yes, yeah. just watch the West Wing first. Watch, watch the West Wing. <laughs> um, okay, so when it comes to where to get our information, other than you know, great TV shows, other than Netflix, other than, other than the Netflix, it, like you mentioned this earlier, that there's so much distrust right now, and one of the things that I feel like everyone is super skeptical of right now is the media, and like that's always been the case. You know, everyone's always like, especially around election time, been like, okay, this media outlet is biased in this direction. This one leads leads towards this direction. This one is like pure propaganda. But I think that right now we just don't really know, like when you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to go find out some information, like who in the world can we trust? Like, are, are there some news organizations that are known for being more balanced? Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing right now. I'm going to take my best shot at explaining what I believe about journalism. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, everyone's got their own belief about this, but I think that you and I are pretty much in agreement on this. Um, I'm a journalism major, so. Yes, you studied journalism and intended to be a journalist, so I know that you have a high view of what journalism can be. Can be, yes. Can be, yes, should be. I feel like there's a huge trend towards discrediting, like you were saying, discrediting the media in quotes or whatever as a whole right now. And some of it's deserved, like some of it's nonsense and some of it's super biased and, you know, funded by people trying to convince you to do or not do certain things. But in general, I think that if we lose sight of the role of the free press in a, you know, whatever version of a democracy, the Republic, the U S is, then we are in trouble because if you look at history and you look at, all these different countries that have, you know, fallen or gone the way of dictatorships or fascism or totalitarianism, a lot of what it started with is losing the freedom of the press and the the trust in the press to hold people in power accountable. So I think journalism matters a whole lot. I think it can be an honorable profession. And I think there are some journalists out there doing a really good job and the idea that you can't trust any experts or any journalists, I think, is just wrong. You need to be, you need to have discernment about who you trust. But the idea that, like, you know, we shouldn't trust people who have experience in something or who are experts in something, to me, is just crazy. Because in any other job besides journalism and politics, you know, you're looking for the person with the most experience. You're looking for your surgeon to have done a hundred hip replacements before he replaces your hip. You want your nail technician to have been certified and be really good at what she's doing before, you know, you get a manicure. 
or any job. It doesn't matter what it is. And then we say like, oh, we don't need expertise in journalism and politics. We just need newcomers. So I think that's just nonsense. But having said that, I will say you have to be careful who you trust. And we need to examine ourselves when we go in to read the news, because most of us at some point have something called confirmation bias. We already know what we believe about something. And we seek out news sources that just confirm our own bias. We look for something that feels comfortable to read or to watch or to listen to and tells us, you know what, you are smart, you're right, and you believe the right thing about this. And that doesn't necessarily challenge you to actually seek truth. It just makes you feel good. So I think knowing your own biases and then reading things that make you a little uncomfortable is really important. And I think keeping news in its proper context of history is also important so that you don't just believe anything. What does that mean? Well, there's just so many conspiracy theories that are floating around out there. And like, if you fact check these things against either history, science, like what's been true in the past is probably still true now, things like that, they fall apart pretty fast. But I think that we're just so prone right now to clickbait, to seeing something that, you know, discredits somebody or calls into question something that we would have thought was true five minutes ago. And we're like, oh, sure, that person's terrible. They're trying to kill me or, you know, this thing's not real. And you just believe it so quickly. But like, don't be so quick to throw out truth that you've spent years learning just because you saw a meme, you know, like dig deeper and um, ask hard questions and think critically about things. Because chances are, if you spent a long time, you know, learning or studying the Bible or paying attention, then deep down, you know, if something is nonsense. And I think that you should listen to that voice and pull at that thread and, you know, fact check as much as you can. So I guess for me, here's what I do to try to find the best news sources that I can. I personally prefer to read the news instead of to watch it, partially because I don't have time to be by my TV at a certain time of day when a new show is going to air. So that's just not practical. Um, for me in my life, but also because I would rather read the news and then it gives me space in my brain to think about, okay, what do I think about this? Instead of this panel of people on a new show yelling at you saying like, this happened and this is what it means. And this is what you should think about it. And then they're yelling over each other because they're trying to drive ratings and make it entertaining. And that just stresses me out with my particular personality. So, so stressful. It's so stressful. Like, it doesn't matter if it's right wing or left wing or who it is. They're just talking over each other. And I'm like, I can't even sift through what any of this means. So I almost never watch the news. I always read the news. And then you can take it at your own pace. And I try to read news from different biases that are not just my own, because otherwise you're just in an echo chamber. Um, so figuring out what your bias is is important and then kind of trying to stretch right or left of that is helpful. I try to read world news and not just local American news because I think that the more we can understand our role in the world as a whole, the less selfish it makes us. Um, and I think we have a tendency to be a little America focused and um, it, there's a bigger picture out there. So I would read world news too. And even some news sources that are non-American outlets, because they're going to have a different perspective on our elections and on our politics than we're going to have on ourselves. And it's kind of interesting to see what they think sometimes and to be like, oh, huh, like that's how they see it from across the pond. Yeah. 
Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Emily as much as I am. I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. I'm so excited about this week's sponsor, and here's why. If you guys have been part of our Girls' Night community for a while now, you have heard me talk about counseling and how life-changing it's been for me. Well, because I talk about it so much, I always have women asking me for recommendations for good therapists, and I never feel like I'm able to truly help. I don't know therapists in every city across the country, and I've never known of a great central database of counselors until now. And that's why I'm so excited about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is a company called Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you get matched with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. They're amazing because they'll help you get traditional mental health counseling, but from a Christian perspective, and you get to do it all online, all from the comfort of your couch, which is perfect for a season when we all have to spend so much time at home. Faithful Counseling has made the process of finding a great, affordable Christian counselor so easy. All you do is you go to their website and you fill out a form about yourself about what you're going through these days, and about what you're looking for in a counselor. And then Faithful Counseling will connect you with a fellow believer online through their giant network of licensed professional counselors. Once you're connected to a therapist, you can start communicating with them in less than 24 hours. You can also log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll get a timely and thoughtful response back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions, and the best part is you can do it all in your PJs. I got matched with a counselor of my own a few months ago, and I have been loving working with her. Especially as so much is going on in our world these days and in my own life right now, I've been so grateful for the extra help navigating it all. One of the things I love most about how Faithful Counseling works is that it is so easy and totally free to change counselors if you need to. I've always believed that for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you really connect with. And oftentimes, we don't find the right person on our first try. So then we're stuck going through the whole process of breaking up with our counselor, which is super awkward, and then starting from scratch to find a new one. But with Faithful Counseling, they've made this so much easier. If you don't love your counselor, or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. I did it. It's really easy, switching is free, and they make it really, really easy to find the best fit possible. And I love that. One more thing I wanted to make sure to mention about Faithful Counseling is how affordable they are. While I love traditional in-person counseling, it can cost more than $100 per session, which makes it a total no-go for so many of us, especially in a time when all of our jobs are in flux. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive and they have financial aid available. Guys, if therapy is something that you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head over to getfaithful.com slash girlsnight to learn more about them. And I'm so excited about this. Faithful Counseling was so generous to give my Girls' Night listeners a special offer of 10% off your first month of counseling. So to check it out and to get 10% off of your first month, just go to getfaithful.com slash girlsnight. Faithful Counseling, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Emily. I like that it's like you're saying just stretch beyond what you normally read. Oh, for sure. Because it it broadens your horizons and it'll confirm what you thought or it'll it'll challenge what you thought, but it's just really good to hear other people's perspectives. I think that's something that really helps when we're in those, you know, confrontational conversations at dinner with our family or with whoever to understand like how someone else sees the world, like to put on their glasses for a minute. It I mean it it is uncomfortable. But it, it's important and, it, and it's a way of like relating and understanding to 
like a relating to and understanding a whole other group of people. And you may end up thinking a little bit more like them or you may not, but at least you'll understand why they think the way that they do. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it'll help you just like love them better. It's really hard to love someone well without trying to see things from their point of view first. I think that that's almost impossible. And I think even as Christians, like, I believe that we are called to be people of empathy. I think that when it says the greatest commandment is to love God and the second is like it, to love others as you love yourself, I think you cannot love others as you love yourself without saying, what if I was them? Like putting yourself in their shoes, which is literally what empathizing is, seeing something from their point of view and asking how you would respond. I think that's how you can then love others as you love yourself because you know how you would respond to something. So trying to see something from someone's point of view is an act of love to me. And it's the first way to build bridges. So yeah, I would say read news sources that are not something that fits into your normal, you know, your normal influence, your normal circle, even if that's just people of different backgrounds than you, like read things written by people of a different race than you or different religious beliefs than you, because their opinions as Americans are equally valid and you're going to learn so much from them. And like you said, it's either going to confirm like, okay, I do believe this, or you're going to go, I have no idea why I think this. Maybe I don't believe this. And it just stretches you. Yeah. So yeah, with that perspective, I think for me, the news sources that I trust the most are ones that tend to be much more just about giving you facts and less about opinion and analysis. You can always read op-eds, you can always read opinion pieces, but know that they're opinion pieces and make sure that you're reading them after you've read the facts. So I appreciate news sources that make a point of separating the sections and say, here's what happened at this day, at this time, in this place. And then they say analysis or opinion by so-and-so. And then, you yeah. know, the rest of this article is someone's opinion. Totally valid. Keep reading it. But now, you know, we've now passed the point where we're just reading the sheer facts of like, this thing happened on this day. And now we're reading an analysis. And if it's not doing that, like, I don't find it to be super helpful because you need to know the difference between facts and opinions. So yeah. some news sources that for me do a good job of that, I would say are AP, the Associated Press, they do a good job just reporting straight facts. Reuters, similar. I think NPR does a really good job with distinguishing between facts and opinions. PBS, and I really love the BBC. I read their world news top stories every day on the app on my phone. And it's been helpful to see kind of from the British perspective about American politics. That's taught me a lot. And they're really good about saying, okay, here's what happened. And now here's what we think about it. And you can choose whether you agree with their opinion, but the facts are the facts. Yeah. And then another thing that I think is important is to try to understand the bias of different media outlets. And there are some people who've done really good work, who've read, who even knows how many articles you'd have to read to do this, but they have, they have charted the different news outlets from on a scale of like, left-leaning to centrist to right-leaning and then on a scale of pure opinion to pure fact and like where you fall in that. And so there's a few charts that we're going to link in the show notes, but sometimes if I come across a new media source and I just don't know anything about them, I'll check one of these charts just to see like, okay, this is like a center-left, pretty factual newspaper or like, no, this one's mostly just opinion. 
and then you kind of know what you're getting a little bit. So I found that to be really helpful. It's just like a litmus test for a news outlet. Um, and then I think also just like trusting yourself to think critically, trusting that what you've learned and the things that have shaped you and given you the opinions you have are true of you. And so you kind of know whether you agree with something or not. And then trusting the Holy Spirit to lead you. Like if you are, if you're reading the Bible and if you're talking to God and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, then those voices are going to be present when you're reading news articles too, not just when you're reading the Bible. So I love that. You know, take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to know everything. Like, you know, right from wrong and you know, truth from lie. And you still know it when you're reading the news. So I guess like do your homework and then trust yourself and trust God. I love that. And that's so good. You know, just as we're going into like the voting booth, you know, we're looking at our ballot and people, I feel like I've been taught things on both sides of this. Is it bad to vote just like down a party line? Like if you are like, you know, I identify as a Republican or I identify as a Democrat, like you look at your ballot and you just like check, 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 check all the way down on the Republican side or on the on the Democrat side. Or should we be sort of and like, again, we'll do we'll do what we want. But what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, do what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah, we'll do what we're going to do. But like, do you what are your thoughts on on doing that versus like kind of picking and choosing from both sides? Well, I think, I mean, I have an opinion for sure, but before I tell you which one I would do, I would say one, if you're going to pick a party and vote the party, make sure you know what that party believes now, currently, not what it believed in the past or what your parents told you it believed or what it believed two generations ago, because parties are fluid and they do change their platforms. So if you're just going to vote the party line, then be pretty sure of what you're doing and know what they believe. And then secondly, I would say, I don't think that's a great idea simply because there are different roles on the ballot. Like the president is one thing, you know, your senator is one thing. Those people tend to kind of represent a party platform as a whole. But then there's something local like the county sheriff. And like, say that you line up with mostly the Republican Party on some of these bigger issues, but say that on things like law enforcement and the way that people are treated when they're arrested and stuff like that, say that you agree more with the platform of the Democrats. You could vote for a Democratic sheriff to be your local sheriff while simultaneously voting for a Republican senator. It's okay to do that. And I think understanding the difference in the roles of who you're voting for and what what things they have an influence over is helpful. But at the end of the day, I believe in voting for a person and not a party. I think that you're choosing a candidate to represent you and the idea that like all of your opinions or all of our country's opinions can fit into these two points of view. And that's it to me is just crazy. I think the two party system is difficult. And I personally hope that eventually we have more than two options on the ballot for each choice. But, you know, I don't think there's anybody whose entire set of opinions is characterized by the, the platform of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. I just don't. So I think if you learn about each person and like, based on the role they're planning to fill, what are their beliefs? That takes more work, but I think you're going to get closer to a ballot that represents your actual beliefs than just saying like red or blue. Yeah, I really, that's so good. Like thinking about 
what job is this person? Like, this person's applying for a job here. Like, what kind of job are they applying for? And like, what kind of qualities am I looking for in this, for this job? You know, the job of the sheriff is different from the job of a president. The job of a governor is different than the, like, you know, head of the school board. Is that something we totally. vote for? That is something we vote for. I'm not sure. Well, I I've seen school knows. boards on ballots. Yeah, I, I feel know. like I have too. Anyway, <laughs> forgive us. We're just too, too people talking about politics. Um, but, but yeah, it makes total sense that you're just looking for different characteristics in these different people. And so like kind of interviewing them individually, you know, for that specific role, I think it's cool. Yeah. And it's unlikely that, you know, someone who's applying for a more local, very specific position with a narrow focus is going to even articulate their beliefs on some of these bigger issues, like immigration or abortion, like their opinion on that doesn't really matter for the job they're going to be doing. They probably won't even say it publicly because it's just going to polarize people. And I don't think it matters what, what like someone on your local school board thinks about some of these bigger issues because their job is to know what they believe about the education system and to act on that. And so I think that looking at each person's beliefs as much as you can is the way to do it. And that's why I start with looking at the ballot and then learning about the candidates one by one instead of just kind of generalizing because my beliefs just don't fit into either of the political party completely. Yeah. So what about, you know, that makes total sense. What about voting based on one issue? Like, and and this could be all the way down the ballot. You know, we vote for, we vote right or, or left completely because this one thing is just our thing. And this one party, you know, believes this about it. And so we're just going to like go all the way down or voting for one candidate. Like I'm going to vote this way for president or this way for president because of this one issue. Like, should we be looking at things based on one issue? Yeah, that's a hard one because there are a couple, two or three specific issues right now that just because of the nature of what they are, they elicit a strong response. Like for me, immigration is probably that thing because I spend so much time in Latin America and, you know, I have definite ideas about immigration because to me, immigrants are not like this nebulous group of people. Like they're my friends. I know them. I speak the language of a lot of the people immigrating into this country right now. And I know a lot of immigrants and I grew up with tons of them. So to me, it's like I'm, I'm voting for something that's going to deeply affect my friends for other people, abortion is that issue. And obviously I care a lot about, I have an opinion about that as well, but each person kind of has usually one issue that's like tugging at them and like, that's the hill you're going to die on. And that's not wrong. I think that being passionate about these issues is important, but I do think that it's totally possible to believe strongly about a specific issue and find ways to influence that issue. And yet not necessarily have to vote for the party that you think is like the party of that issue. Because if everything else about that party or that person you disagree with, why are you voting for them over this one thing? And I think it's important also to look at, you know, like I said before, does the role that that person's seeking to fill actually have an influence on the issue that you're talking about? Like, is this person in the role they're going to fill actually going to have any impact on immigration law? can they actually like influence abortion law or are they filling a role that has nothing to do with that? And 
you actually don't agree with the party that they represent on everything else. You just agree on one of these big issues, then I don't think that that matters for this person's job. So I think it's just, it's keeping it in context and saying like, like if you're really, 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 really strong about being pro-life, there's a thousand things that you can do besides just voting once every four years to fight for that cause. Like there is ways you can get involved every day in your local community. There's ways that I can get involved in helping immigrants other than just voting. I think you have to remember the importance of voting, but I think that thinking that that's the only thing you're going to do to influence this issue that you care about is punch a ballot every four years is really oversimplifying it. And so for me, I feel the freedom to say, okay, this candidate doesn't line up with me on this one issue, but on everything else they do or on most everything else they do. And so I'm going to go ahead and vote for them. And then I'm going to still do everything I can to fight for this cause I believe in. Yeah. So for me, I'm not a single issue voter, I wouldn't say, but I don't think it's wrong if you are. I just think it's really helpful to realize like whether the candidate you're voting for is actually going to be able to make any change in that area. Or if you're just kind of throwing your vote at them because you think that they line up with you on one thing. Yeah. To me, that's not super helpful. Yeah, that that makes sense. And and I think that's why, you know, the quizzes we've been talking about are really helpful because you get to see like, these are all the other issues. Like there, there are so many other things going so on <laughs> than this one thing. And so it's like, you get to, you get to kind of weigh like, how important is this one thing to me? And also can this person, will this person have any influence over it? And then you can just, that's such a big part of it to me is, will they have any influence? Like your local school board person is not deciding immigration law. So vote for them based on what you believe about education and vote for, you know, your senators based on what you believe about one of these other issues. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. So this is tricky. If you are a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, are you expected to vote for a certain political party? Like, does God prefer a certain political party over another? Yeah, that this is a big thing. I think because, you know, we all grow up with biases and whether you grew up in the church or not, I think impacts your view on this a lot. Like you and I had pretty different upbringings. So we had different things to sort of unlearn before we could establish our adult views on politics. Personally, I grew up like definitely in the conservative evangelical church. And like when I was a kid, I didn't know anybody that was a Democrat. Because there was a belief that, like, among the people I grew up with, that, like, Christians are Republicans, like, period. And I never really knew why that was. When I was a kid, I just thought it was the case. And then as I got older and kind of started to learn different things about my faith and different things about politics, um, I started asking questions and going, like, do we have to be Republicans? Like, or if I want to be a Republican, why am I a Republican? And I... I have come to the conclusion for myself that like, no, I don't think that there is either political party that entirely encompasses what it is to be a follower of Christ. I just don't. I don't think that my beliefs can fit inside completely one or the other of the parties. I'm not personally registered as either of the parties, but also I just think that the role of, of truth and of the Bible and of Christianity is so much bigger than politics and American politics specifically, that to say that like 
all Christians have to be Republicans or all Christians have to be Democrats is to put God inside of a tiny, tiny box that he does not belong in. You know, God was around a long time before the United States. God was around a long time before our particular system of government was even thought of. And God will be here after any of this is gone. And so I think that, like I said earlier, like maintaining the order of the things that we identify ourselves by is really important. And then realizing that like politics is important. Yes, government is important. It plays a role in, you know, shaping our daily life. But Jesus, when he showed up on earth, didn't choose to come and run for a political office. Like, I think the Jews were expecting a political leader out of the Messiah. And they thought he was going to show up and be like, okay, like King Herod, you're out. I'm here now. I'm going to take charge. And he didn't do that. And so a lot of people didn't see him as the Messiah because he did not show up and take political control. He came, you know, as a baby and he served people and he critiqued the political leaders of the day, if anything. And he tried to hold them accountable to aligning with truth and not just with their views. And it shocked a lot of people. But I think it's a lesson for us to say, like, okay, if Jesus didn't think that politics was the answer to everything, then neither should we. And I think like it's an answer, but it's not the answer. So for me, no, there is not a political party that I feel beholden to as a Christian. And I think that neither of them encompasses everything I believe, but I think I can do my best to try to vote based on, you know, my conscience influenced by the Holy Spirit and try to be as Christ-like as I can be. And then realize that like my hope is in something bigger than what the political leaders of our country are going to choose to do about one issue or another. And not everything is political. Like, it's just not. I think there are some things that are just true and some things that are just lies and a lot of things that are pretty gray. And there is like a variety of acceptable beliefs about a lot of stuff. And I think that our tendency in an election year, especially, is to make everything like the hill that we're going to die on, the most political thing it can be. And I just don't think that like biblical truth is inherently political. So feel free, be free and, you know, prioritize your relationship with God and the truth that comes from that over saying like, you know, my grandpa thinks that if I don't vote Republican, I don't love Jesus because I just don't think that's true. Yeah. Speaking of grandpas, I think that, you know, oh, we all grow up. Well, we all grow up in a house with a family <laughs> who and parents and siblings who believe things. And I think naturally those things really influence us for a lot of our lives. You know, they that's the the set of sunglasses that are put on our face. You know, that's what we that's how we see the world for a long time. And I think that a lot of us are, you know, get to adulthood and, and start to find ourselves asking questions about like, do I believe the same things as my parents or do I believe something different? And I think, you know, for me, if I do believe the same things as my parents, I want to know why. I don't want to just believe them because that's what they say, because I'm an adult now. I get to choose, you know, and I want to have my own, I want to have my own convictions and I want to have chosen them for myself. And so, um, how do we is it okay to disconnect from our families that way? And like, how do we, how do we do that? How do we think more critically, I guess, without our, our parents' voices in our head or how, or even like social media or, you know, how do we like put our heads in a bubble? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like figure out what we think, not what other people have told us to think. Yeah, for sure. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. 
I think a you can't. I think you can't stick your head in a bubble. I think that the (laughs) sorry, I don't. I mean, maybe you think you can. I don't think you can. But I think that the way that you're raised is always going to influence you, whether whether it causes you to like take a 180 and be like, I'm getting as far from that as I can, or whether you think, okay, my family kind of made me a lot of who I am, and I generally agree with them. I don't think you can just silence that voice in your head. But I would also say you are an individual, like you are your own person and your upbringing is going to influence you, but you have a unique set of life experiences. You have your own knowledge that you've learned. You have your own wisdom and you just, you're your own person. And so I don't think that we should feel limited by the political views or the opinions of the family that we grew up in. I think that, I don't think it's necessary that we agree for the rest of our lives with the family that we grew up in, but I think that we can honor them in our disagreement if we decide to go another direction. It depends on how your relationship is with your parents, obviously. Like there are some situations where it's just toxic and you just need to distance yourself from that. But I think for a lot of us, like there are things I disagree with my parents about for sure, but I can still have these conversations with them in a way that prioritizes the fact that I love them and that you honor them as your parents and that you are thankful for the things they taught you, even if you've sort of not followed the exact same path. And I think if you're a parent, you know, what you want for your kids is that they grow up to be strong people who have opinions and who know why they believe what they believe. And then I think you would see that as a success. So I don't think that you have to believe the exact same things as your family but I don't think that you have to be rude about it either. I think it's totally possible to form your own opinions and I think you should, but I think that you can love your family through that journey. I really like that. Um, When it comes to both our family, like our families and our friends and social media, how vocal do we need to be about what we believe? Like, do we have to take a stand um, is it cow- like, are we, are we missing an opportunity or like shirking responsibility if we don't take a public stand or correct our parents or try to convince a friend of what we believe? Like, can we be quiet about it? Should we be quiet about it? Do we have to talk about it? Are we responsible for convincing other people? Like how public does this need to be? Yeah, for sure. I guess for me, I feel like our generation and everyone younger than us has grown up in like this absurd time, which is probably how it's always going to be from now on. But like we have grown up with this expectation that like stuff be public that would never have been public before. Like nobody before us grew up with pictures of their entire lives on the internet and grew up with, you know, your Zanga journal and all your thoughts being public when you're in middle school or like, that's going to be fun when, (laughs) We have candidates who think are accessible in a few years, but um, <laughs> that'll be <laughs> a treat for us all. Um, like, you know, we just, it's a crazy time now to think that like, if you didn't post a picture of it, you didn't go to it. Or if you didn't tell them happy birthday on Instagram, that you don't love them. Or if it's not in your stories, that it wasn't important. Like, I don't personally subscribe to that belief. I think that some of the most meaningful things in your life can happen off the internet and you're not obligated to share everything with the world. So first of all, if you don't want to talk about politics online, like don't, it's your life. I think the reason that we have a secret ballot in this country is because it's our right 
to vote for someone and not have to tell anyone who we voted for. So if your family asks you and you don't want to tell them, find a kind way of saying like, I don't love to talk about politics or certain family members, maybe you can and certain family members, maybe it's too hard. Like there are family members where I have to go out of the political conversation when it starts because I know they're just trying to bait me. And I know from having talked to them about it that it's not going to go in a good place. So those people, I just kind of say, oh, did I tell you about this? And I change the subject or I just tell them like, I really don't want to talk about this. But with other people, I think that you can use your influence. I'm a big believer in like deciding what you want to use your influence on, because I think that just yelling as loud as you can about every topic is going to cause people to just ignore you and drown you, you know, drown you out because being the loudest one doesn't necessarily mean that you're the most articulate one. So I think deciding like which things to talk about publicly is important, but then realize like if this is something that you care deeply about, you have influence and you have a voice and you have more means now than you've ever had to share that voice. Like just as we live in a crazy time with oversharing, I also think we live in an exciting time where a single individual can have the loudest voice that's ever been possible in the world right now. So Mm -hmm. I think if you're a person who really, really thinks that elections are hugely important or there's an issue that you are really passionate about that you want to advocate for, you have a bigger voice than you've ever had now. And it's a cool time to get to say what you believe. And I, I think it's fine to be quiet about a lot of things. But if there's a situation of injustice, I think that we're called to speak up, like, period. I think if there's someone, you know, who is being the victim of an injustice and we know it and we don't say something that's different but Mm. just about politics in general i don't think that you have to say everything on the internet no you can but you don't have to and i think the way you say it matters the frequency with which you say it matters and um you know the sources you cite the arguments you make i think when you can tell a personal story and put a human face on an issue that's always more helpful than just saying this is what i think if you can say like this is what a person I know has experienced. People listen to you more. You know, you can get them to understand from another person's point of view rather than just saying, like, here's my thoughts on immigration. So to me, it's not even just whether you should speak, it's how you should speak that's important. Yeah, I, re- I really appreciate that. Um, you and I have had really extensive conversations about, you know, as I've been trying to figure out what kinds of things I want to share publicly and what kinds of things I want to talk about with friends and family and, you know, over the dinner table. And I think for the most part, when it comes to politics, I prefer to have conversations like in person and, and with my people. I find that that's with my personality, like that's just the way that I process best. <laughs> it's the way I think best. And, and also like it's, I think that, you know, we all come down differently on all kinds of issues because we all see the world differently and we all have different backgrounds and different people we know that have been impacted by different things. And um, I think that especially in my my corner of the internet, I, I feel like m- my job is very specific. Like we're here to to be sisters and friends for each other. I'm here to be a mentor and a, and a cheerleader in your corner and to remind you how much God loves you and to help you in whatever ways I can with your friendships and your faith and your relationship with yourself and your relationship with significant others. And I feel like that that's my job online. And so politics and debates and things like that. One, I don't enjoy debating. It makes me really, really stressed out. Um, it like really gives me anxiety. And, and two, I just feel like I would rather have those conversations around the dinner table and and have the conversations that I feel like I can 
I don't know, have, have the kinds of conversations we have here online and, and let those happen elsewhere. So that's kind of, but it's a tricky thing. It's a really tricky thing. And sometimes we swing one way and it doesn't go well, or we swing another way and we feel like we got it wrong. And, you know, sometimes we, we want to speak up about certain things and sometimes, you know, we let some things pass us by and, and I don't know, it's just a really imperfect thing. And it's a really hard thing talking about things, especially online, I find, um, or with family members where, you know, you don't agree. It's just really tricky and we're all trying to figure it out. Um, and so just if anyone is struggling with that, know that you're not alone and that, that you are allowed to make whatever decisions you feel are best. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would, I think I would add two things to that. One, I think it's helpful and freeing and important to remember that some things are political and some things aren't. Like the idea of politics is really stressful and contentious, but there are some issues like, for instance, like whether the life of a black person and a white person is of equal value to God and should be of equal value to other people, to me is not a political issue. That is just a truth issue. Like you are equal to me and I am equal to other people, period. To me, that's not political. And then second, I think it's important to not buy into the fallacy that just because you didn't say something on the internet, that you're not actively fighting for it. I'm not a very active person on social media, but I am definitely like speaking up for the things I believe and fighting for the causes I believe in. I'm just doing it with actual conversations with people who I actually have influence over. Yeah. And, you know, in your case, you have some online influence that not everybody has. And so that looks different for you. But for me, like there are some things that I speak up on the internet about, I should do it more. Like I just really don't go on social media very much because it's not helpful for me. But, um, generally like if you think that someone isn't, doesn't believe something just because they didn't put it on their Facebook, I think that's doing them a disservice. Yeah. And I think that you can, you can fight for things you believe in without sticking it online. I don't think that you should be scared to say what you believe, but you know, people have been fighting these battles and advocating for truth and pushing for what they believe in for centuries before we had the internet. Yeah. So I think that those conversations in person are still just as valuable and maybe even more valuable than what you put on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, so yeah, feel, be free basically really just free. fight for what you believe in, but do it in a way that works for you. Yeah. And sometimes online is the best way and sometimes it's the worst way. And like, we just have to kind of decide in each situation. Okay. So, and we've been talking for a long time about all kinds of different things, but none of this really solves the fact that figuring out how to vote is confusing. And I say that as someone who's like changed their name in the last decade and has had a billion different addresses. And like, I feel like my driver's license never matches my actual residence and like my phone numbers from Colorado. And like, I mean, forever, like all my stuff was registered at my parents' house, but then I lived in Georgia and then I lived in Tennessee. And I mean, I'm just all over the place. And I feel like a lot of us are right now. And because of that, figuring out what we need to do to vote is like, I don't know, it just feels complicated. And if anyone else thinks that's silly, I'm sorry, but I, that's how I feel. That's a real thing. I have a feeling I'm not the only one. And so (laughs) how do we like practically figure out what we need to do in order to vote. Well, in preparation for this, I decided to see what happened when I just Googled register to vote because I was like, I bet it's just there. And sure enough, it was for me. I just Googled like voter registration deadline or something. And the first thing up there was 
I live in Atlanta, so it was like Georgia voter registration deadlines. So if you Google that, it should pop up your state at the top. Um, I'm also in the show notes going to include a list to the link of all the voter registration deadlines. But the first thing you have to do is register to vote if you have not already done that. You may have done it back when you first got your driver's license. I think that we do that here in Georgia, but not every state does. So if you've never voted or that you're not sure you're registered where you live now, step one is registering to vote. And like I said, I'll link a website where you can do that, but you can also just Google it and it should be like the first thing up there. And then once you've registered, you need to look at the deadlines and see, you know, if you're going to request an absentee ballot, when is the deadline to request one? If you're going to do early voting, when does that open? When does it close? Actual election day is November 3rd. So if you want to show up in person, that's the day for that. But you should know the hours of your polling place and where your polling place is. Um, And those things are all available on your state's websites. And then also Ballotpedia, like I said before, has all that information and we'll link to all these things. But you also need to bring with you a form of government issued ID, either your driver's license or your passport to the polling place. And then you cannot register when you show up there. You have to already have registered. And there are deadlines based on your state for when you need to register to vote. So step one, register to vote. Step two, look at the deadlines. And step three is decide how you're going to vote because COVID has obviously introduced a lot more questions about whether we're all just going to line up that day or whether we're going to do early voting or whether we're going to do vote by mail. And that's a big conversation, but I feel like generally speaking, some of it hasn't been hammered out yet. This is August when we're recording this, so things may change before we actually air this. But I think personally, I like the idea of mail-in voting because it allows a lot more people access. Like, I mean, like you, Steph, like you're going to be basically nine months pregnant with twins. You're not going to be standing in line that day. Like it's probably not a great idea during a pandemic to go be on your feet for probably a couple of hours waiting in line. Yeah. So you're going to probably need to do an absentee ballot. But if you're like an older person who's especially susceptible to COVID or for any number of reasons, if you have a disability, if you can't get off work for however many hours it's going to take to go stand in line on November 3rd, I think that mail-in voting is an important thing that should be accessible to you so that you can exercise your constitutionally protected right to vote. I will say that there are some problems with the U.S. Postal Service right now. I run a small business. I love the U.S. Postal Service, but it's got some issues at the moment. So like I personally, since I work for myself and I have control over my schedule, I'll probably go vote in person. Yeah, I love that. Guys, thank you so much for listening and for just in advance for your grace. Um, like I said, we're just like two friends that talk about this in our own life and at our own girls' nights and you know, are trying to figure out what who we want to vote for and what we think, you know, and I don't know, we're still figuring it out too. But I hope that this has felt like just a minute to breathe and a safe place to figure it out. And my hope for all of us is just that we do our little bit of homework, that we do our do the like kind of uncomfortable thing of figuring out like how do I register and where am I supposed to go? And that we use our voices because I like, here's what I really believe is that every single one of our voices matter. Like the girls night community, our voices matter. And this is a day where we get to speak up. And so I hope that we do it. And I just thank you guys for being here, for letting us be imperfect, for letting this episode be imperfect. Um, (laughs) But I do hope that it was helpful. And um, and thank you so much for being 
my sounding board um, and also our sounding board today. I'm really, really grateful for your wisdom. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys for your grace as you listen, like Steph said. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before we go, I wanted to mention quickly that I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links for any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All of the links will be there for everything we talked about so you can check out all of the resources that Emily mentioned. And I know it's going to be a super helpful resource in this time. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And I'm super excited about this one. I'll see you then.